0: Wait and see Only time can tell It's meant for us We can't I rush like anything it When we're up, down, up, down When we're up, down, up, down What's going on guys? So welcome once again back to the table This is a special edition of clearly the Charles Tendell Show if you don't know how this works, it's all about bringing different opinions, different views, different ideas together and making sure that we all understand where we're coming from and more importantly where we're going because no matter where we end up, we all got to get there together. So, this episode is brought to you by Prim and Proper Cleaning. If you need anything cleaned whatsoever in and around the city of New Bern, Give Prim and Proper Cleaning a call. Give my girl Tammy a call, 252-259-2161. Locally owned and operated, veteran owned and operated business. And y'all, she does an amazing job. This studio looks better than it looked the day that I put it together. So it is gorgeous. And thank you very much, Tammy, for all your hard work and everything you did to put this all together. So the conversation topic this evening is Black Lives Matter. What does it mean to you? And what's the basic understanding of it all? So let's just jump into this one and go around my table and everybody say, hello. <laughs> Jim, I think you should go first.
1: Hello. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Not to you know put you on the spot or anything, you go. introduce For- yourself to my
1: audience. Tell them a little about who you are and uh, what you do. My name is Jim Hackett. I'm fairly new to New Bern in uh, 2017. My wife and I moved here from San Diego. And yes, we do live San Diego, but we're, we're loving New Bern. Uh, I'm a deacon at St. Paul Catholic Church and involved in several different uh, social uh, programs and ministries, uh, including most recently, uh, Faith Connection. I'm in the board chair for Faith Connection, a local group of uh, churches and church members uh, committed to bringing betterment to the community. And we were one of the co-organizers uh, uh, of the recent uh, peace rally Unity March, and it was a, uh, one of those life-changing moments for me uh, that kind of opened my eyes. So glad to be here tonight.
0: Thank you for being here, Jim. And next to Jim, let's just go Kelly. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, sure. Um hi, I'm Kelly Rogers. I'm 21. I just turned 21 this week. Happy Party. Birthday. Happy birthday? Yay. Yeah. There work. Is. Um, I noticed I,
0: that when, when we talked in the message, I thought you had said you were 20 and I was like, I can't offer her a drink. So I offered you water. Would you like one? <laughs>
2: oh, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good for now. Thank you. I got though. it. Thank I you got it. I got you. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm um, freshly 21. I uh, have lived in New York for the last four years, but I am from New Bern. This is my dog, Monty, who's joining mm-hmm. us too. Um, and um, yeah, I moved to New York uh, right after co- or high school at 18. And I went with the intention of going to college and then didn't because I started working in a lot of social justice um, events uh, in the community in New York and just got really involved and had my heart open to uh, the reality of, of what's really going on in this country. Um, and that sort of propelled me forward into this, um, into where I'm at now, and which is like, been working in New Bern for the last couple of weeks, or I guess months now, geez, um, doing different Black Lives Matter marches and, and sexual assault survivors uh, have come out with their stories against different local law enforcement. So yeah, I've just tried to support however I can and kind of bring what I've learned in New York down to New Bern. So um, that's I guess like elevator pitch version. <laughs> right yeah. on.
1: right
0: on. Thank you for being here. Now, yeah. Tammy.
3: Good evening, I'm Tammy. Um, I'm a member of the community, I moved here in 2015. Um, Due to my diverse background, I have seen um, a lot of racism of all sides, different spectrums, um, through my life. Um, I have always, I've never understood the issue, like, how, why I, I just I've never been able to comprehend that, um, and I have a story we'll share later that w- what s- propelled me um, at a young age, and uh, I'm just welcome to be here and I pitched the idea to Charles and I said, let's talk about this let let's let's get this out here and let's have a conversation and let's come up with some ideas. And what can we do as a community to fix this? And, you know, Newborn is fabulous. I love it here. We were just talking about the amazing vibe in the community.
0: Um, oh, sorry. My fault.
3: And um, I have, you got it, Charles? Got it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Voice I spent of all that time telling you guys to make sure your phones were turned down. <laughs>
3: um, and so... You know, I I have to say that I haven't seen as much of an issue of racism here. I'm not saying it's not here, Mm -hmm. but I have to say that as a whole, New Burns community is phenomenal, and we come together, and that I love. But I think there's so much more that we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, being a Marine veteran, growing up in the group home, I've been exposed to so many different backgrounds. I've been blessed. I didn't consider it a blessing at the time. Mm -hmm. I was a rebellious child. Um, but looking back, I really was blessed because it helped make me who I am today, and I like
0: me. So nice.
3: there you go. Now
0: you're also the business owner and the sponsor of this week's episode. Yes, sir. Yeah, thank you again for so much for coming in here and cleaning. Like, no problem.
3: My pleasure. Phenomenal.
0: I'm gonna have to. I, we're gonna have to work something out. I, I got you. <laughs> I got you. So last but certainly not least, Chris. Hey. Top fan badge. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Chris Rivera and um yeah, I could I could I talk too much sometimes, so I'm going to try to keep it um, small. <laughs> but I I um I'm a child of the 60s. I grew up in the 60s and um that kind of gave me a lot of um background, you know, being experienced in the assassination of John Kennedy and Martin Luther King and you know, coming through that era and then you know, you get to this point. Here we go again, and it's like mm-hmm. I thought we had. I thought we had the answers. You know, I thought things were going to be fixed, and it's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. And um, it's you know, it's just it's a it's an issue that's um, dear to my heart and um, something that I've spent a lot of my professional life uh, working towards. I'm a retired, semi-retired social worker. You never really retire, mm-hmm. um, and um, over the years, I've, uh, as a social worker and doing the different things I've done, I've pre- I've done presentations on diversity. Um, back in the '90s, there was a rash of. I don't know if anybody remembers. Anybody can remember the um, church burnings in mm. the South. Mm-hmm. You know, um, black churches. And I remember being um, where I was employed. We got a group together and started doing. Um, I was. Uh, It was a diversity committee Mm -hmm. for the employees, and we just dealt with a lot of issues and talked a lot about a lot of issues. So um, it's just something that's always been near and dear to my heart um, for a lot of reasons. So I'm glad I'm here. Thank you for inviting me. Thank
0: you, Chris. So uh, not to keep you in the spotlight there, but you had said so many things change and so many things stay the same. What do you mean by that? What stayed the same?
4: Well, there's just... The fact that we did, there was so much work done years ago that we thought we, you know, had moved forward. And in some senses, we have. But in the, you know, just look at what has happened, you know, in the past few months. You know, sometimes I look at that and I think, are we going? We're going backwards, you know. Um,
3: well, I don't are think so, so much. Overt. Right, I don't think so much is we're going backwards. I think that we're highlighting a problem that still exists that a lot of people would like to just to sweep under the rug. That's true.
4: So thank you, cell phones. <laughs> right? It's no, that's true. true. It
3: is. Yeah. You know, and I think that, you know, is it as bad as it was? No. But can it be better? Without a shadow of a doubt.
4: Yeah, yeah. They they definitely can be better. But yeah, sometimes I get a little disheartened, you know, yeah. when I see things that are happening. And, and it's easy um, to. It is. You yeah, and know? you have
3: to, like, focus on the positive and be like, okay, what positive energy can I bring to the table? What can I do? Because I'm not going to let this negativity rule me. And I'm going to carry forward. And I'm going to be an advocate. And I'm going to do whatever I can. And I'm going to, you know, be who I am and be kind to everyone. Exactly. And, you know, I, I judge people off of character. How, how you treat me and how I see you treat other people, that's how I'll judge you. I'd like to say that I don't judge because who am I to judge? But we all do. But me, it's character. I see how you mm-hmm. interact with other people and I see how you treat others and I see how you treat me. Yeah. And then based off of that, that's where exactly. I make my, you're either gonna make it in my home team or mm-hmm. I'm, we're just gonna keep you as an associate, you know. So, exactly. exactly. I don't,
0: go ahead Charles. Kelly, I'm looking at you. You've got you. Look, I can see the wheels turning in your head. That's
3: good, isn't it?
0: What What are you thinking here? What is What is still the same?
2: Uh, well, I mean, first of all, it's such like a gift to be 21 now and to sit with people that have seen history <laughs> books. You know, like to to be able to share a table with someone that witnessed the assassination of Dr. King in real time. Like that is. Um, a gift to me. And so I want to start by saying that, you know, just in acknowledging that I can't really speak to how it was back in the day, because I've read about it plenty, but I, I didn't experience it. And I can't say on the daily how that was, how what that was like to live. Um, certainly not as a black person, but definitely also not as a white person. So I don't, I don't know what that was like. But what I do know it, it, from a historical and statistical standpoint is that You know, we're saying that, you know, everything changes, but it doesn't, and and that's true. But what I would argue is that it it takes a different shape, and I believe that now what we're facing is the prison industrial complex, which is a – it's been described as the new Jim Crow. Um, And and that, I think, is really where the work is to be done, because what I believe is one of my biggest criticisms of – politics in the United States is that we don't ever really solve issues, we perpetuate them because that's what fuels our discussions that are really small. It's kind of what keeps you dependent on government. You know, yes. well, while it, And while it also keeps you from, from loving your neighbor, you know, and I, I don't say that even specifically in the biblical sense, I mean it very secularly, and I mean it from a very moral standpoint, like I really resonate with... Dr. King's belief in a moral revival. Um, I, I think that that is something that's going to guide me, you know, going forward because I am largely at the beginning of, of my experience with all of this um, and especially having a voice and an opinion on it. Um, you know, I, I know, though, that systemic racial issues have never gone away. They've only taken new shape and, and that could not be more true today as we've seen with the impacts of the crime bill that was signed into effect by Bill Clinton. And the language surrounding that, that was in the 90s. Uh, the, the, the super predators and, and calling black people, ostracizing them specifically, and, and giving them a new slur to have to combat. And, and I think that if we're going to address this, it has to be uh, without ego and without the need to um, win. I don't care about Democrats. I don't care about Republicans. Amen. I, Amen. I, yes. I don't care. Yeah. I Amen. think that this is so yeah. much bigger than any political party. I think that it is a human issue. And I don't largely trust the government to solve it because Amen. it starts in our hearts, obviously. But it also, you know, Dr. King has another great quote. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't legislate. The prevention of someone lynching me, or no, no, I, I can't convince someone not to lynch me based on their heart, based on the fact that they don't want to. But I can prevent it legislatively, in the sense that I can criminalize it and I can make it wrong. And while it might be uncouth now to go around and spew racist, um, you know, racist slurs and and to overtly become racist towards other people, while we would li- largely condemn it and say that our our families and friends would probably distance themselves from us. We would be ostracized as a result of that. You know, subversive racism is just as damaging. And calling it a different name has a very similar impact. And so in order to understand that, we have to acknowledge the cycles that have gotten us here because it's all cyclical. And it, it um, yeah, like I said, it's just shape-shifting and it's just taking on a new name and we've never been able to fix it because we rely too heavily on people that also have corporate interests in their pocket and people that have privatized prison systems and who have you know incentivized the American families to be broken up and you know contributed to generational poverty and and I think that it's more than just loving each other it is legislative and it is largely um, critical though of the government at the same time you know it, it's not to say that there's ever been legislation really in place that has helped the black community or marginalized people. I mean, I, I really believe that. And it's always a double-sided um, argument. And, it, and it's always just on the Do you brink. know what
0: causes legislation like that? Please Archives. share with the group. Knee-jerk reactions mm-hmm. to temporary problems. Right. Someone deciding for someone else that I absolutely must take this action on your behalf without fully thinking it through. Right. So they create a law that's designed to fight one thing, Mm-hmm. but then causes all these other things. Do you, think, do you honestly think Bill Clinton in the 90s was setting out to raise the, the incarceration rate of black men in America? Do you think that's what he was aiming for? Do you think he was aiming for, for combating what happened in the 70s and 80s where the country was running rampant, drugs were everywhere, we had you name it going on, murders, so on and so forth, and we had wars on our streets in the nation. So he took an action. That action resulted in, now, how many years later? The highest incarceration rate for black men in America.
2: Black men and people, I mean, it's 25, we make up 25% of the world's incarceration rate, and that is sickening to think of all of the people who are serving life sentences for first time nonviolent drug offenses. And so, you know, we talk about this war on drug, we talk about a legislative response to these, one-off circumstances that that we can say are one-off, but also definitely happened in the 50s, 60s, 70s. You know, this isn't... Like I said, crime has always existed. And and I, I don't think that Bill Clinton... I, I don't know the guy. I mean, I, I want to assume that he didn't mean to do right. that. I would like to think that. I'd like, he, like to think. He had
3: a good heart, and that was not his intention.
2: But, but I feel also that he had enough time to say this is not working immediately. And that's the issue with, that I take with government is this idea that patience has to uh, work. Hold on know, a second.
0: You think Bill Clinton in how many years? He was eight president for eight years. Yep. You think in those eight years he has enough time to realize the mistake that he made in a nation where we're still trying to figure out how much of a mistake slavery was.
2: Well he apologized for it on the ninth year so yes and the numbers track that the jump in incarcerated black men was so significant and I can get those numbers too. I, I don't have them on the top of my head but I do know that we are now uh, teetering on 3 million people incarcerated, not just black people, but overall, we're teetering on the 3 million number, and that, to me, it, it, it's exponential growth. That's it a wasn't... free labor
0: workforce that we can send anywhere right. we want. Well, and, 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 you
3: know, I was thinking sorry. about that the other day. You know, I saw some city workers out in the median out on 70 working, and I thought, you know what? Why don't we have, like, low-risk prison workers, prison prisoners, who are serving their time, why don't we have them out there working and earning their keep in jail? I mean, because our, our tax dollars are going to that. We're paying for that. We're Rona, pay, yo. You know, so get them out there. Get them to do some work. Save money on the city by getting them to work and earning their keep. You know, I'm sure there's a whole lot of red tape and whatnot going through that. But I was thinking, like, why, why aren't they doing that? Why don't we utilize them that way instead of letting them sit around, read books you know, make phone calls. I
2: mean, the the issue with that, I mean, that I see is that it incentivizes prison labor, and I don't I don't believe in that because they're making pennies on like like fractions of pennies. Well, and there's on there's the,
3: ways right, and so, there's ways
2: to
0: to f- not even fractions of pennies because yeah, if I'm not mistaken, they still pay taxes on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. it's
2: really sickening the way that I mean, and I understand the 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 sentiment, and it is positive, and I I get what you're saying, but. The reality of prison in America, jails in America, is it is so abysmal that you would not believe that this advanced of a country could come up with such an archaic and, and you know, uh, just... Um, barbaric. Barbaric, I guess, but also, like, redundant system. It is designed slavery with your- a new name. It's in the 13th Amendment, you know? It was designed... To
0: just sounds like slavery with a few extra steps.
2: Yeah, I yeah. mean that's it is what it is. I mean it's in the Thirteenth Amendment, literally. So right Kelly, in. I don't want to cut you off, but no, Jim,
0: you got a table full of talkative ladies here, and <laughs> you are, you're you're going to have to fight <laughs> to get a word in here, just like yeah. me at home. <laughs> <laughs> so Chris has mentioned so much changes yet so much stays the same. You two are older than the folks at the table, and certainly in, a, in you know with with Kelly there. Yeah,
1: old, very old. <laughs>
0: Why? you know what's changed what stayed the same
1: I had the chance to speak at the rally um, last month and I I grew up in the same era the 60s and so much happened during the time and I thought I was involved I was protesting I was out there marching uh, combating stuff but every time something happened my reaction was always when are they going to do something about this when, when will they do something about this? When Martin Luther King died, when Kennedy was killed, uh, when Rodney King uh, w- was beaten down, all these other things. When will they do something about this? Who is they? That's what I'm getting to. Oh, okay. okay. And then I watched when George Floyd was murdered. And I said the same thing. When will they do something about this? And then I had this epiphany. I've been asking the wrong question all these years. It's not when are they going to do something about this? When will I do something about this? Mm -hmm. And there's only so much I can do, but if I start doing my thing, I get you to do your thing and your thing your thing, and our our thing becomes the same thing, and we start taking direction in in, in the same direction, maybe we can become they and really affect some changes here and and, and take charge of this. Uh, And I sat around for a long time thinking I was doing the right thing. I was writing letters and protesting and marching and... And, uh, and, and being angry, but I wasn't affecting change. I wasn't trying to do, I wasn't getting involved. So, uh, so I think they has to be us. And, and if it's not gonna be us, who is it gonna be? Uh, so uh, I, I said that day, uh, Charles, that I, I'm not letting this one go. And uh, I, uh, now I'm educating myself. Uh, I, I began my talk that day that, uh, by the way, I'm not a black man, and I'll never be a black man. So I'll never see this world in, in the perspective of a black man. So I had to learn what that's like and try to best understand that so I can kind of understand I'm going to stop you thank you you don't have to learn
0: what that's like right I don't, I don't hmm. want as a black man in America for anybody who doubts this hi mm-hmm. as a black man in America <laughs> right mm-hmm. as a black man in America I don't want you to feel what it's like mm-hmm. that's not something I would wish on anyone that's a level of anxiety that no one needs to operate on now what I need you to do and what I would like you to do is realize that you know very little about me and other men that look like me, and women, or people yeah. in general yeah. that don't look like you. So yeah. Like, take a look around the table. All of you have something fairly in common, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, mm-hmm. well, I mean, I I could say you know I'm just more melanated than all of you, mm-hmm. there you right? Know. There's there's a unique I'm catching this. up, Charles. But right, <laughs> but you know, we're all humans here. Mm-hmm. We all come from different backgrounds. We all have unique experiences. There is no way even in your wildest dreams, even when AI and VR and all of this technology comes together and I can put my thoughts in your brain, will you ever be able to wrap your head around that? And I don't want you to. Right. I want you to assume you know nothing about me and treat me like it's the first time you've met me. And if we're all treating each other the way I, it's written and the way that I believe we should treat each other, the way we wish to be tr- treated, then that first interaction is going to be about love, openness honesty communication it's not going to be about tearing anybody down or trying to fix whatever problem i believe you might have
1: and, and as open-minded and, and as liberal as i thought it was when i see you charles i see a black man first okay and, and that is a realization i, I, I struggle with now and I, now we've had some conversations you and i have so gotten to know who you are but i still see a black skin first it it's it, well, I mean, never this never going to okay. go away
3: well and but that's okay because that is who he is right. and Part he should be he proud is, right. of who he is right
1: and, well, I'm I mean, not saying it's a bad thing, but that, that's, that's, right. that's, that's my first reaction.
3: But that's okay. Right. And I think, you know, when I see, you know, an Asian person, mm-hmm. I think, oh, she's from Asia. I bet you she's got some really great home mm-hmm. remedies mm-hmm. and some, you know, you know, so you're going to see this and that's going to be. Mm-hmm. But again, I think that when we approach people not being biased, mm-hmm. seeing them, okay, Here's another human being. I'm going to go up to them. I'm going to talk to them. I'm going to say, hi, how are you? Where are you from? This is who I am. How's and, your mom and them? Right. How's <laughs> your folks? You know, well, how long you been here? Where do you, oh, you need some directions? Yeah, sure. Where you want to go? You know, just have a conversation with the person. Right. You know, yes, we're going to encounter, all of us as human beings, people are going to come off standoffish and who are going to be judgmental and...
0: People are going to judge you that don't even know you. R-
3: oh, amen to that. Look, I don't, like, and I don't even care. Feel it free. Doesn't, it it do not affect me.
0: Honestly, and I, I posted this meme out there, so anybody who's following this one saw this one. It doesn't matter what you're doing, yep. someone's going to judge you. So just be you. Right. Yep. Just do what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, let your haters hate. That's how it works. I mean, It's an adult mentality. It's a way of thinking. Mm -hmm. Don't try and prove yourself to anybody else. That's where we get into problems, and that's where everybody's trying to keep up with the Joneses and prove something. Mm
3: -hmm. I mean, I think that it starts with when you were speaking about the politics and the politicians and everything that's going wrong with that. I think that that, and the first thought that came to my mind, is term limits. We have a lot of old mindsets still in our government. I mean, and listen... Now, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and that's true.
0: There's a root cause to that, right? In order to get to term limits, we got to get to actual involvement. That equals voting. Yes, that equals and everybody an needs to
3: do that. Absolutely. I mean, we can all – it's so easy just to sit around and complain and fuss, and I'm trying to keep the swear words – <laughs> like, I'm like – you know, we can, it's easy to sit there and do that. But until you get out, educate yourself on who's coming up for election. And what do you want? What is the change that you want? What is the change that you want? Educate yourself. Find out who is – talk to them. Put forth a little bit of effort. You know, everybody yeah. wants to put so much effort into their frigging phones, but they don't want to get out there and educate themselves and talk to people. I, you know? I agree.
4: That's, that's very true. But, you know, sometimes I feel that uh, uh, a sense of hopelessness, you know, power mm-hmm. – pa- Lack of power like a to do anything, Yeah, the right. that's so you far know? away, you
0: can't do anything with. yeah exactly.
4: You know, I get his sticking in my head. Um, just that happened this past week. Did I make sure I got it straight? But did we not just um, somebody suggesting that we undo one of the things that Obama did, as far as um, the redlining and and you know your community where you can live. I you heard know something about that. You're gonna, that. you know, people of upper economic levels or whatever, you aren't going to have to worry about oh, yeah. lower income people. Yeah. What, is what, is yeah, mean, what is that? I mean, yeah. what is that? Is that not backward stepping? Is yes. That. And that's wow. where,
3: okay, so, and I see, I see where you're coming from. Oh. And I worked with the government for some time, and it was very disheartening, and that's why I walked away. And that's why I came to New Bern and was like, But see, that's what I'm saying about the
4: hopelessness right. and feeling that you are powerless. You right. can't do anything. But guess
3: what? You, get, you need to remember that we, as the citizens of the United States, there are more of us than there are politicians. So Absolutely. all it takes is our vote. All it does is our vote and getting educating everybody the importance of voting and pushing it. And, you know, I'm not saying push your agenda. Right, but right. Vote. You vote how you want to vote. You vote how you want to vote. But you're voting, and that's what I care about. And let's make that change and yeah. get people in who
4: are on the same mindset of where we should be. But there's that apathy. I yeah. You know, that you that there's so much of our population that are apathetic because my vote doesn't count. It doesn't matter what I Well vote. and that's and that's the
3: conversations that we need to have and absolutely. that's what we need
4: to do to get out and let people
3: know. You know, my son right now is working with um low-income college students who get academic scholarships. And he's helping them to, you know, taking low-income families and helping them have the best college experience and make the best at it, it. and helping them find the programs to help them become the best. Because the low-income, you know, and the low-income profile people, they really don't make it to college. They end up going to, you know, technical school, or they go straight from school to work. You know, and even though they may have that mentality and they have the intelligence to do it, they don't have someone advocating for them and saying, listen, you are really intelligent and you could go to college and you could make something and you could do better for yourself. You know, there's people out there like that. And that's what my son is doing right now. And he's helping those people. You know, so we need to get out there. And those people who have that mindset that my vote doesn't count. Yes, it does. Yes it does because your vote is a, a vote. And it may
4: not win every time, but it counts. Yeah. We certainly all know that, but yeah. it's right. just to get that message out. I think that yeah. it's, so. I
2: think that voter apathy is so real though, and I I want to recognize like I understand what you're saying. I think that I felt a lot of that and in fact, like being 20 and younger and growing up in this like very um apocalyptic version of the united states <laughs> <laughs> honestly i mean uh, the things that i have really seen and witnessed in my life that i can now identify as now, racism, I have a question
0: have you actually seen them or has it been through the lens of your phone
2: oh i've uh, yeah uh, okay. um yeah i'm glad you said that because that is a huge um, difference you know and also no but technical literacy is becoming more and more important as we advance as a society and so While, uh, to your point, yes, it is important to experience the world first on, we are also seeing a shift of people that have never had more access to more perspective. Um, And so I think that that's where largely a lot of this personal conviction comes from with people that are in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, that before we would be like, that's a flyover state. Well, there are Black Lives Matter marches happening in Iowa. Like, that would... That kind of reach and that kind of empathy that is being stimulated through phones is something to really consider and think of. But yes, personally, like I have from a really young age, even being here, you know, I grew up in New Bern for 18 years, and I have had many experiences in my elementary school, um, which I I don't know if it's appropriate to name it, but it doesn't matter. It's just this um, there's always been this undertone of like being friends with black kids is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. Um, And like to give an anecdote to that. Um, and, and to also acknowledge, too, that my telling of this story is not a, a pity me story. It's a, this is maybe something that you've experienced and didn't know that it was racism, you know, because I don't think that it's unique to me in any way. But, but that being said, um, you know, I, I grew up in a going to public school, and I'm so grateful that I did because I think that it, it really shaped me negatively and positively. But I, I grew up in a primarily black pri- or public school, um, and so in my third grade class, this is just one instance, I I had a group of friends that were all black kids, boys and girls, and they are still some of my really, my best friends today. Um, I got called to the principal's office. Uh, we had this little lunch group where we would eat lunch together, and we were called the peeps, and I was the ringleader because I am obsessed with being in control. And, um, and, and we had this like amazing friend group, and, and I, like I said, I keep in touch with them to this day. Like, but it was largely a, a product of circumstance, because I'm in a classroom full of a bunch of kids. Of course, those are gonna be my friends. Um, and the only separation is that they are black, I am white. And I got called to the principal's office, and my mom was called down to the school because they reported that I was joining a gang. <laughs> that I was joining a gang and that I was getting wrapped up into it and I had no idea of it and of course it sounds silly and went off but the thing that really strikes me about that is more so that you know none of the other kids parents got a call I was done a favor I was done a favor of like we don't want to see you get wrapped up in this and that was not extended to my friends um, and I, you know, we can say that it's for a million and one reasons, but it comes down to the fact that it was associated with a gang. This very common thing, which is a clique of friends having lunch together, was associated now with gang activity, and that I needed to be saved being the only white person in that room. And my mom was like, What? <laughs> you know, just why, why are you calling me? And not literally did, little did my principal at the time know that one of the girls' mothers was a lawyer. Yes. And it turned into very, um, a very real example of, of racism with children involved, which is so icky, you know, this assumption. So, hold on a
0: second. I want First, I want to take a second and say thank you to our wonderful audience out here, oh, yeah. Michael and Kiana, for reminding me, yes, we are actually going to talk about Black Lives Matter. <laughs> We're oh, getting yeah. there. Thank <laughs> you, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. But that does actually give me... An opportunity to put that in there. Thank you guys in the comments. If you've got questions, drop them in there. And remember, everybody's got a watch party going. If you want to get in on this conversation, there are multiple ways to do so, and I will do my best to get to your comment. What does a black life look like to y'all? When somebody says black lives matter, drop off the matter and just tell me what a black life looks like to you.
3: For me, Charles, that is very hard to describe. Um, I grew up in a group home, so there were children of all ethnic backgrounds, um, and we all would come together, and we would, you know, we'd have kitchen duty, and so you would work with a house parent, and for one week you were in the kitchen cooking, and if you had a really great house parent, which I had a few, Quentin Ballard is one of them. I'd love to, I don't know if he's watching, but he was phenomenal. Um, black man, played for the NF, uh, Indianapolis Colts and hurt his knee, and he is alumni from Elon University, and he came into work with Elon Holmes for Children, and he was one of the, he took me on, and that was, so it, it would be hard for me to describe that because, again, Mr. Ballard, um, who I still talk to today, I call him Daddy. You know, he, we always talk about, like, I remember when I was in the group home, you know, he would take us kids to the mall like on a Saturday or a Sunday, and he would always be like, "Now, Tammy, don't you be hanging out with me. People be looking at me weird." And I always laughed at it. I was always like, "Well, that's ridiculous." And I'd go hang on him just to make you know, make him more uncomfortable. You know, but and he knew that it was all in fun. But I didn't really understand the seriousness of it because I just thought, "Well, that's just friggin' ridiculous." You know, why is this black man? I mean, he's my house parent. He's the only person in this whole world right now that I trust. Why are people looking at us weird? You know, here I was, a young 12-, 13-year-old girl, and this big, burly, you know, linebacker, you know, of a man, you know, he would take care of us. So We'd get in a van with him, and we'd Protection. leave. You know, mm-hmm. and so, you know, he protected us, and he, and he would always talk about when we'd go out, now, Tammy, you hang out over there because I don't want people. And as soon as he would say that, I'd be like, Oh, you don't want me to embarrass you? All right, Mr. B, I'm gonna
4: embarrass you. Yeah, remember it, when you punished me last week? Uh huh. I got you now. <laughs> well, it's interesting you talk about that because my husband and I—that's another story—but <laughs> um, um, we ran a boys' group home for about 13 years in Charlotte. Okay. And that's a—it ve- was a very mixed um, group. It was, and and so I can remember a lot of outings we would go to, and. We would have to pre-teach to the guys that okay. You stick around with us. Um, don't go too far. Right. Um, the guys would you know it's like a thing you know the guys would put their hoodie on you know right. you can't walk around a store like that, that. because they're going to assume right. yes. that you're stealing. It, that's just the that's the reality.
3: And that's sad that you know that, that, that's that's the,
4: and you're absolutely right. It it's it's the real thing. It really is. But yep. uh, you know. You said you asked what Charles, does the black life look like? Well, yeah, I, let me just no. let me just, I know it's a hard question. Well, let me just put my two cents in there, because I think I've kind of shared some of my background that um, my, I've been married to my husband for um, 44 years. We've been together for 47. And if I could show you a picture of him, I would. But um, he's just a little bit lighter than you are. He's Hispanic. But he's a very dark-skinned, He's a very Puerto melanated Rican. man. Very. <laughs> and when we met in the 70s, he had an afro like this. Okay. Yeah. I keep wanting um, to
0: rock the fro and bring it back. It's just so much work. It's well, too much
4: work. He says his, he's, <laughs> okay, he, his hair is you. too thin now. But he had a beautiful afro. But let me tell you, um, I've had the distinct privilege to be able to view life from that lens. Um, In so many ways that I can't even—I just can't even describe it. You know, we have two children; their boy, our sons, are in their 40s now. You know, but what we experienced because of who my husband was—because you guys were an interracial couple—exactly. Yeah, and this is from the 70s. I can—the things that I experienced when people would—I'd have my kids. My kids—they can pass, but everybody knows that there's—they're different. I no. would, we'd be at the park right. and people would come up to say, are those your children? Yeah, those yeah. are my boys. Yep. What are they? Excuse me? Human. "I mean, ex- right. That was always my answer. <laughs> that was always my answer. Um, because See, what I'm do you mean, what not are Not sure, they?
0: we picked them up at the pound, that's well, you know,
4: <laughs> Just like when I registered them from, them for from school, in the beginning when I registered for them, them for school, I took them in and signed them. And I got a call back from the school um, secretary. She says, Mrs. Rivera you need to come up here and change your form. Why? Because back then, it was either your children, you were, you were either white, black, or other. Hmm. And she said, under race, you put human. <laughs> I said, yes, ma'am, my children. Could have put Martian,
0: but I know you guys were <laughs> looking at yeah, me weird. You
4: know, I said, <laughs> right. My children are not white, they are not black, and they are not other. Uh, so there's, I had no other choice. Right. You know, so I've, I just can't, that, that experience that I've been given has been a gift to me, just be, for me to be able to open my eyes right. and see how people, you know, when I'm by myself, you know, I've called this, people say that's not right, but I call it reverse discrimination in a way because people will look at me, they don't know who I am, what my background is, who I've been married to 40-some years, and they automatically assume, you know, they'll, come, they'll tell racial, j- racial jokes, you know, um, very derogatory comments and things, looking at me like I'm supposed to laugh and that I'm in agreement with them because I'm obviously white like they are. Um, I've experienced that over and over and over again. And it's just amazing to me, you yeah. know, that that's kind of like what I say, you know, things, in some ways, things haven't changed because people still hold in their heart that bias and that, that negative um, reaction to someone who doesn't look like them. Right. You know, and that, okay.
2: how do we do that? How do we change that? I mean, and to directly answer the question about, you know, what is it in the definition of the movement?
0: No. What does a black life outside mean of matter? to you?
2: I think that it's anybody that has black or brown skin, honestly.
0: What like does that I, look like? Like, what is the... and uh, Not the black or brown skin <laughs> portion. It of is it, very directly... But when you, when you hear about, when you say black lives, yeah. what kind of lives are these people living?
2: Oh, well, that, I mean, I think that that largely comes from our own experiences, and to me, that is an array of things. I mean, it's difficult, because I know statistically, like, black lives are uh, more... Uh, disproportionately affected by generational poverty so to say that I don't see the poor side of the black community alongside the rich side of the black community would be a lie I I see um, I see potential I think I see I see the opportunity to define yourself differently um, in the sense of like I I try I think to you know, as much as I try, I don't think that that's necessarily, like, always true, but I try to see that, you know, um, in the same way that I would not describe white people as a monolithic being, I don't see black people as a monolithic being, Mm. being that they are as diverse belief-wise, you know, um, occupation-wise, you know, it doesn't have a single definition to me. But I think,
4: I think based on my back, what I've experienced is that Based on the color of your skin, people make an automatic yeah. judgment, right. period. To you. To it you doesn't, it's though. not economic. So I, right. It's not. It's the color of your skin says
1: something to people. Yeah, Charles, if I may, it's a, and it, that is a good question, and a tough question, but when I see that, to use a baseball analogy, when I see a, a black life, I see somebody who's already behind in the count through no fault of their own, only because of the color of their skin, mm-hmm. right. that things will... They won't get the same opportunities that a white man or woman is going to get on because of the color of the skin and nothing else. Well, and I think that they
3: have a, they have a, they already, like you said, being white, you already have a leg up in the game. I think as a black person, I feel like that you have to work twice as hard. To get to where you want to yeah, go I, and to prove yourself, yeah, I
1: wouldn't say a, black, a white person has a leg up. I think a black person has a leg down. And, well, the, yeah, the, but same the, thing. The, and that's that they're identified with. Sometimes but I think they, they have to work hard to get there because yes. only because of the color of the skin. And, yep. And no other reason for that.
4: I got all my family on here. I see. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's also just like Hi, not fam. doesn't feel in any way like I, I guess like my hesitation around that question is that it doesn't feel like it's my place to. Um, Define that kind of thing uh, simply because I, I think that there is like a lot of, um, a lot of innate. Like you were saying, you know, like you said, it is just based solely on the color of their skin. Like I, I know that for me, that is not the truth for the majority. So that's, that's where we all want to be. Where you know, that's where difficult. we need to.
4: That yeah. would be that would be utopia. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, for definitely. To to be but able to but see as
1: you said too, you, Kelly, you're you're 21 and you haven't seen the things that we've had. Totally. Today. Yeah. And yeah. When, when I met you, uh, but if
0: she uh, keeps doing what she's doing, she uh, won't. Uh, thank to,
1: God for that. And I, when I talked to her at, at the rally, I said, "We're so desperate to get young people involved here because their minds have not been spoiled or or, exactly. or, 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 or horrified by what we've experienced." But here's fears. here's the
0: thing I want to point out, and this is this is where I think the real problem is. Mm-hmm not one of you at that table saw a black life as a man that grew up in a two-parent household, had a nurturing home environment, and has the privilege to say or do what they want. And you're sitting in my studio. Okay. You are assuming that black lives begin in a position where they cannot succeed or have other reasons that are hindering them from success. I
1: wouldn't say but that. I, I think no. that a lot of that's true, Charles. I think... It, 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 No, I just think that,
3: in general, you said a black life, and I took that as a general term. So when I say that, I feel that automatically, that society, you're lower on the totem pole. And it doesn't matter how great your parents are. You know, yes, does that help? Does that help shape who you are and how you handle things? Yes. But I think, like, in general... And you can't say, Charles, that you haven't walked into a place, no one knowing where you come from, who you are, or what you stand for, or who, where your heart is at, but automatically, because you walked in and you were black, that you automatically got attitude. So I think that, and again, I, I experienced it firsthand. A friend of mine, his daughter was missing. He's a black man, and he was getting no help. And this happened here in New Bern recently and not until I went with him and was talking to law enforcement and talking to people and speaking out and being like, hey, you know what? We need to do something. This is the situation and this is real and this involves a child. And that's what my priority is, is finding this child. Mm -hmm. Okay, and I even had their representation tell me firsthand, this is racist because this paperwork with a white person, none of this would have never happened. And I thought that. I didn't want to say it because I wasn't going to distract from trying to find the child.
0: So, okay. Is it racism? Or are these people acting in the manner that they're acting? Because someone somewhere told them that a black man in America is not capable of raising a son, is a hoodlum, is a hood rat, is a menace to society, is a spider by which we should be afraid of and we should be killing.
3: That is a high possibility, but again, you know what? You don't, until you experience that person and you talk to that person, don't judge that person, especially in law, for, law enforcement. I understand that law enforcement has profiling and that there's a reason for that, and I understand that, but I don't think that because a man who has custody of his child, and because he ha- he's black and he has dreadlocks, makes him automatically a bad father and a bad human being because I'll be the first to tell you that that man loves his children and works his butt off works two jobs to provide for his children and will do come hell or high water to provide for him
4: and his family. But the problem is that that there's still that Stigma. Flash judgment the minute you look at somebody because I don't think that you, you can... don't stop.
0: That's to... universal.
4: It is. Th- it black is.
0: people see that. Black people look at white people and make an assumption.
1: Right. White yeah. people look
0: at black people to make an assumption. How do we People look that? at Hispanic people and make an assumption. The
1: answer to your question is it's racist because we're not born with racist thoughts. These are learned along the way. Yes. Yeah, this one's that, not this not an is automatic. a burn trait. So this has ha- happened over time.
2: Additionally uh, that, 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 like there's a huge difference between my judgment of a black man because I hold power innately mm-hmm. like that is not me specifically but I'm no, saying that privilege. if a black power white, is a different thing if a yeah, black
0: no, no 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 not white privilege I don't I don't want I don't okay. want to uh, we'll, we'll cover that in a minute. the privilege whatever the privilege you, to be able to judge someone else based on your own circumstances is a privilege that you have to feel that you can elevate right. yourself over someone else
2: And mm-hmm. again I'm just my my um my my definition might differ a little than yours and that's okay but i'm my point to that is that racism inc- incorporates a systemic uh uh factor and and that is by definition that's not by opinion so for me to say that i like reverse racism doesn't exist for that reason i mean it's prejudice and colorism definitely exists and all of these other isms can exist um but but it's not to say that like I, my life <laughs> You know, is not going to be systemically impacted by someone else's opinion of me. Systemically. This is not my life experience. I've had many trials and tribulations, and mm. that doesn't matter systemically. I'm still a statistic on a paper, and that is the big shift, I think, with this cultural time in our lives of, of the civil rights movement in the 60s was, to my understanding, largely emotional, too. It was respect. It was... Um, uh, It was largely religious. The leaders were all primarily religious. Um, And now we've switched to... Every one of Dr.
0: Martin Luther King's speeches were sermons.
2: Because we've... But but now that obviously didn't really... I don't want to say it didn't work because it works in increments. But it wasn't the catch-all, like white people would like to believe, you know? It's like oh, it's over now, Whew, we can go home. It ain't never going to be over. It's, I, mean, it's but know, that's see, not, I don't want to believe that. I don't I want do. to believe okay, that. But simultaneously, we've switched to now a statistical understanding of it. And we have lived long enough, and we have the access to data now that proves that these systems exist. They negatively and disproportionately impact people of color. And that extends outwards, you know, and at different levels to black people, indigenous people, um, Asian people. I mean, there is oh, yeah? all kinds of... Um, marginalized groups gay people queer people i mean i the it is it, it this idea of systemic oppression that's why homophobia, homophobia homophobicness addresses systemic issues too because when you have the government involved in saying you will you are officially barred from being legally married in the united states like that is now a systemic issue and it goes beyond prejudice and it goes beyond Opinion, because it, opinions don't really hold much power. That's the whole point of an opinion. Is that So do
0: you, do you think fixing the problem is, is getting the government more involved?
2: No, I, I think that it is no. a holistic approach to what it means to be racist. I think racism is intersectional with a housing crisis and a, a, a crisis of enormous wealth disparity and a, a crisis of, um, you know, you name it. Like, uh, Jesus Christ! I'm like overwhelmed with information <laughs> in my head. I'm sorry. Let me slow down. Oh, well, don't worry. Don't worry. No, but that's my point kind of is, I guess that it is an intersectional fight for equality that addresses housing, that addresses food insecurity, that addresses so, job security, that addresses all of these isn't things. Isn't that
4: that's that's t- that's a classism kind of a? Well, yes. and it's not yes. to be
2: a class reductionist either, but I do believe that that class largely plays a a, a part and and that people are, again, disproportionately affected by poverty. So, yeah, I mean, in some ways, like I said, it's all intersectional. So Mm -hmm. to say that I I think that in some ways we are fighting the wrong battle legislatively, I guess is my point. Mm -hmm. I think we're fighting the wrong battle legislatively because we're trying to legislate emotions which has never worked just never worked. And so how do we move forward? We start taking reduce the size of the approach. government yes. and
0: actually vote for people who are going to continue the the idea that we need less involvement from external sources, from people on other places of the country that are telling us what we need and allow us to interact with each other on a one to one individual basis. And
2: that's one option, but unfortunately at this point in time, like I am gonna bring in the media to this uh, corner of the argument because I've seen the way that media has infected my family that lives here and injected that fear into their hearts. And when we talk about going backwards, that's the crux of going backwards. It's not what Donald Trump says. Because I... Personally, can have my opinions on him, but at the end of the day, he's not making me do anything. He's not making these people say or do anything. If he's creating the space for them to come in and feel safe by that narrative, that's another discussion. But largely, it's the media saying, you can blame all your problems on this man. And that is so oversimplified. And 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 mainstream media has also given people the permission to believe that they, in some way, understand this incredibly multifaceted, issue that has plagued America from the jump so you think that Bobby Joe down the road who's gonna say racism's over we should just stop talking about it really understands the breadth and the depth that it that that allows racism and gives racism that vessel to exist in like I don't agree with that and I think that and like, on the
0: same side of that on the other side of that same coin do you think it's giving you the ability to actually understand the problem
2: no no, I don't I, I would never count myself an expert, especially being twenty one like I think that I'm also unique in that. I will say that there's a lot of people on Twitter with really big mouths uh, <laughs> that that don't that don't see the value in an older generation I, I probably to a fault, would rather have my opinions validated by the older generation than by anyone, my own age, and that comes from a, a, a sheer Knowledge of my limited worldview, in that I have only lived for so long, and so it's but also how do you,
0: at that point. Uh, when do you start discerning between the older generation's emotional trauma from something that they went through that you will literally never experience, totally, and the wisdom from there No, Where do you because, get?
2: Because that experience and what I think is lacking is a validation, is a is a is a simple. I believe that what you went through was was very awful, was very terrible, and that you suffered as a result of it, and that it was out of your control, and and I believe you, and now you tell me how I help you heal from that, because what we're witnessing with Black Lives Matter, to kind of bring it back here, is a collective grief, it's a mourning, it's a it's a grieving process, and so a part of grief that no one likes to talk about is anger, is, is rage, and, and righteous indignation is what it really is, is going to exist whether we want it to or not and whether we'd like to say can you guys please go home like I'm trying to sleep tell that to someone who is grieving a loss of a parent uh, separately from any of this and and listen to how that breaks them in a way that is irreparable like we need to address this from an emotional standpoint in the sense that like humans process trauma differently and anger is always involved in it always involved in it and so uh that's why i have such a problem with saying calm down stop breaking windows stop i mean i will never condone violence don't get me wrong i will i will never condone violence but i will not say that it came out of nowhere and i will say too and agree with dr king when he said that rioting is the language of the unheard. And and I believe that, like, how do we stop it? You can't ask me that question if you're not first willing to address the cyclical nature of these issues that have affected people who are alive today. We also talk about this, like, it happened, you know, when slavery occurred, and it didn't. Like, you're sitting right in front of me. People who were slaves and whose parents were slaves are still alive today, and, like, to- I am a
0: descendant of slaves on both sides of my family. so. I can say that that hurt transitions throughout time, and what we do with it is what matters. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't want to minimize the instances that we are experiencing today. I don't want to minimize the, the George Floyds of the world. I do not at all. But I want us to peel back another layer and see that this doesn't have as much to do with the color of our skin but the misinterpretations or the misjudgments we have for other people. And then our inability to act and our confusion on how to act because we see so many different things that we must do something about, right? George Floyd would be alive today if the person holding the damn camera had stepped over there and knocked that cop out. You might catch a bullet, you might not, but you might save a life, right? Right. And action must be taken. We cannot anymore stand back and say, that sucks, I feel for you, bro, I understand you, bro, you have to be willing to step in there. But
2: how do you tell that to the black woman that recorded it? How do you say you should die so that he doesn't? I mean, the problem there is the police. That's That's not an individual problem, in my opinion. I mean... I, I think that what yeah, we're but there doing were too right many now.
3: Yeah, but there were too many people that wanted to sit back and record it. Oh, we can't and judge not, their No, no, inaction. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. But what I'm saying is that if we all started standing up for what is right, and when you see a racist situation take place, and I don't care what side of the table you're on, if you see, see a racist. say
0: something. Right.
3: If you see something, take action. Step up and be like, excuse me. And once you call that person out, they're going to step back. And wow. that person, and you're going to, if I come up and I see a black person harassing you and, and throwing racial slurs at you, I'm going to come up and be like, oh, hold up. What's going on? What, 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 if it here? was that now, There's a fine simple? line to that,
0: too. You don't also want to become the Karen.
2: If it was that simple. No, that's simple. true. And, yeah, and no if Karens. it was that easy <laughs> no to Karens. simply de-escalate, like, uh, we wouldn't be in this position but it I is mean, that easy to de escalate. Yes, really, but, but Especially, it's not,
0: because yes, it is. Let me explain why it's easy to de escalate. The sheer fact that you step in between two people that are arguing, that are fighting, that are at attention is de escalating because now they're confused. Now they're like, wait a minute, this is something I haven't seen ever. This is another human being who's willing to inject themselves into a scenario that may or may not have anything to do with them. What's going on here? Let me change my focus to them. And in that split second, you've de-escalated a situation. Now you have a choice. I
2: think I'm confused though. Are we talking about a police officer?
0: I'm talking about any scenario. You're
2: talking about me standing in front of a police officer If you step in front
0: of a police officer's weapon. Listen to me. And this is now again, these are my personal views. So I don't condone anybody going out there. If you choose to want to do this, it's on you. I'm not telling you to go and risk your life, right? If you're not comfortable with it, don't. But you need to be willing to. The second you step in front of that weapon with that officer, he may freak the... He yeah. may freak <laughs> out.
2: in, <laughs> King. Right?
0: He may freak out and he yeah. may pull the trigger. But he may also stop and say, you are not the person involved in this. What's going on? And in that instant... You saw a wrong happening, he now has to evaluate. Is it.
2: that our standard for law enforcement? I mean, am I, I might be missing something that's possible and I'm not gonna that say that you a- are wrong because it's your opinion. So like full respect too before I say this. I just if I, you say wrong. Am something I crazy wrong- to say that like the standard for law enforcement is underneath the trash can in the back of the gutter? I mean that if that is our standard that I now have to police the police and not do your job better, not let's reevaluate how we got here in the first place. Because, again, this is another example. We're trying to, uh, you know, this analogy was actually used on me today when I was talking about J.T. Barber uh, to a friend. And that's that they had to let that school fall into disrepair because now they can bulldoze it. And now they can, uh, but, but but you know, it, it totally neglects the fact that children are suffering in the meantime. And people are suffering while we're waiting for the police to get Bad enough that we can put our foot down and say, "Oh, this is the line. Here it is." Because but this goes back. Now, this goes
0: back to, to Jim's statement, right? It's clearly not going to be them. That means it has to be us. you. It can no. We can no longer stand by and wait for them to take an action for they to get involved.
2: Amen. It's us. But do you see what we're? Uh, I mean, like, let's look at Portland. I mean, let's look at Portland because for a million reasons, but largely because when you stand up to a militarized police state, that is, that, like, I just want to make sure that I'm, like, on with you guys here, because I have seen so many pictures of mothers with busted teeth and bruised bodies and lacerated faces from doing that. So what you're asking of people is to put themselves in harm's way, not... If it was your Police child? do a better job. Like, I'm willing to die for this. Like, let's be very clear here. Willing to die for this. Don't get me wrong. If it went down, I'm there. And I've been there. In New York, I have been pepper... I've been uh, tear-gassed. I've been hit with rubber bullets. I've been hit in the face of the bike. I have a scar under my chin to prove it. I am I am with it, man. But, but that solution is is not real. And, like, what you're advocating for, government overthrow... Is, is already... How do you think we got started? How do yep. we think we got started? How do you think we got started?
0: People who were fed up with a system stopped waiting for someone else to change it yep. and they changed it.
2: But at the same time, like I, I'm confused because like we're not supposed to condone violence and we're not supposed to... And we're not condoning what did violence. I, what, what did I, I say saying, that was I mean,
0: violent? What did I say was violent? When
2: you see a police officer not
0: <laughs> what well, hold on. I feel
2: very confused right now. Uh, what did
0: what did I say? What did I say was violent? I, stepping I, I, in stepping into a situation that
2: state violence is violence. like what you're what you're asking uh, in a situation where an officer is wrongly pointing a gun at a person.
0: What did I ask person? Now you step you ask me in there. Now
2: step in front of this person. Is they that violence might Shoot me.
0: Is that you? committing an act of violence
2: it's me being now in yes in the it's wave of violence you yes loving
0: someone else as you would love yourself lay down that e- life for my exactly. brother i
2: understand where you're going with it that's pretty in practice but we see what's happening with that now we then see you know what's what? happening but with you that know what? the but government autonomous the, the what is it the autonomous zone that was in portland before this whole thing blew up uh we're talking like me sitting here maybe i let's say i have a handgun well give me that Next to an officer in riot gear with pepper spray, rubber bullets, pepper bullets, I mean, like that is like a losing battle, so like, yeah, we can say that this needs to be a civil war, if we want to add, but you don't, it, no, you don't have that, to, but
3: you, but you don't. you see, you think that you have to bring violence to violence, and I, I have to disagree. You know, I was I a very angry, angry child growing up for a lot of plenty of reasons, okay, and one of the first things I learned in counseling was that I have a, first of all, I have a right to my feelings, okay? I used to have to hide my feelings. I wasn't allowed to cry. I wasn't allowed to show any emotion. I didn't move until I was told to move, okay? So one of the first things I learned is that I have a right to my emotions. That took a long time for me to unlearn that my, my thoughts and opinions mattered and how I felt mattered. The second thing I learned is that there's a right and wrong way to express how you feel. And I'm sorry, violence doesn't solve the problem. All you're doing is fueling fire for all the people who say, see, I told you, that's why they are the way they are. Look at them go. Look at them doing this and look at them doing that. We can be angry, but being angry with positive action and dedicated action is what we need. You can be angry. We can, you know, be frustrated, but don't be violent, and don't be who they say you already are.
2: But intervene in, an op- in front of an officer.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You can stand in front of an officer, and like Charles said, it takes five seconds. You stand in front of that officer, and you not say... Not even
0: five seconds. You,
3: you, what you're doing is not ethical. It's not moral. You don't even, have, I, to say, you
0: don't even have to say anything.
3: But like, even if you say something, mm-hmm. five seconds. You, you switch his mindset for a split second,
1: and whatever happens, happens. Two things, Charles. I see what you're saying, and I agree with you, except George Floyd... I think that's a bad example. There were three other police officers that also didn't do a damn
0: thing. They would have if someone else had.
1: I'm not sure. We'll never know that's that. That's never hypothetical. Never know that.
0: Okay. And Kelly... And it or- does, okay, let me, let me, back, let me, let me correct okay. myself right. then. Right. It doesn't matter what anyone else does. Mm-hmm. You said it yourself. Mm-hmm. It's we can no longer stand by and wait
3: for somebody and else.
0: hope for somebody else mm-hmm. to do right. something. So in that encounter... Let's spitball a hypothetical, right? Let's say you step into that situation. Let's say somebody steps over and pushes that man or says something to one of the officers or says, goes between or sneaks up on, and that officer turns, grabs that person, slams them to the ground at two minutes and 54 seconds out of that eight minutes. Mm -hmm. What happens? What's the result?
3: George Floyd is still alive. And it brings, and, and once you. Again, it's hypothetical. How many, hypothetical. How, we don't
1: know. It's a complete hypothetical. So I again, got no, it. We, just, we, the, we how don't how know. How many
3: police officers were out there? We know
0: how many what, citizens what did were out day? there? That's yeah.
1: what we know. It's just like that's what we know. And come about to Portland, yeah, get them credit for coming back again and again every day. It's better with 100%. 100%. so So 100%. No, I, that's what I, I'm saying. I, I am they're a they're in the streets kind of girl. I'm not walking away from it. They're getting shit the hell <laughs> out that. Sorry, Charles. You tried to I censor am. yourself <laughs> after <laughs> you said it. That was great. Too late. <laughs> no, but they're back there every single day. And my son listen for part He's yeah. after as well too. They're back there every single day, in spite of what they're going through. And they, so they had not walked away, Charles, and they're, they're gonna keep doing it until, until they get changed on there. I guarantee yeah. it.
2: And and to to kind of just counter that, I'm like confused because the broad condemnation of violence is is like that we are supposed to take it now, too. Like, we show up, and they show up, and they're in riot gear, and I'm standing just like I am yeah. here, and you're gonna, you're gonna, I- I'm supposed to take it? I mean, I'm confused, because if I'm not being violent, and, and this isn't me imposing violence on what is state violence, which is so unconstitutional, like, you know, I- I- I'm just not following the logic of, like, we should all become martyrs at, at, at instead of, being more common, instead of leading with common sense, which is that what is occurring in front of us right now is reason for everyday Americans to be running for office, to, to defund the police, nope. which is what basically that argument is largely because it doesn't mean abolish the police. It means that they're clearly not doing their job. And it means that they're clearly not... Like, like we want to advocate for this, but we won't listen to a radicalized legislation that could prevent what the current situation is. And, like, you can say we can't trust the government to do that, but that is not how America works. And, like, I think that Obama said it Perfectly in his eulogy to uh, for John Lewis is that you know our founding fathers built this country on the ideal that we are always cu- c- working to build a more perfect union, so when we talk about longevity and we talk about fighting apathy, which is also largely what we 're against uh, we 're talking about how do we transform this place, how do we bring in a new justice system that looks nothing like our current one? How do we bring in a new police force that operates as actual police and not as 12 supplemental agencies that exist and are underfunded and are grossly disrespected, you know? I mean, the
3: the the career of
2: a social worker, for instance, I mean, that is not seen as uh it's not seen with the same weight and gravity that it really holds like you change lives you know and you're responsible for that as a job like that is a lot of pressure and so when I hear someone tell me that you know it's been done and that the 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 riots at the Boston Tea Party are the way we should go about it now I I think of how truly um you know I, I just cannot accept that. I guess is what I'm getting at, and I cannot accept that we are the this revolution? evolved.
0: You can't accept that you are to be the revolution. No, is that what you I, can't accept?
2: That's not what I said.
0: Well, you, I mean, you I said, said that
2: it is, looks differently because for us to approach this, it looks to We're give our time. all, to burn out in the first leg of this race doesn't make any sense. This is the first leg I, of
0: this race. Oh, You're yes just it joining is, it. No, it's this, a
2: new. It is a new race every time, and I will explain that further, because that is not my idea. That was given to me by um, a friend in New York that is uh, an amazing activist and has done this for her entire life, has also lived through the 60s, is that if we see this as a continued race and we get fatigued by what has not worked and we stop being innovative and we stop imagining what is possible if we are not weighed down by the failures of the past, if we do not see this with a fresh face and new eyes every single time while simultaneously understanding the incredible failures of our of our history and the enormous wins i mean we have to first understand the cycle in order to break it don't get me wrong but this is this is we we should see this as a starting point for a new america every time and we should see it as an opportunity to uh, again form that more perfect union that we are all here and that we are all living under and that we all should believe in unequivocally How, how does that happen
4: how does it happen? How does that happen? How it, do we make? How do we make that happen?
2: We believe in it. First Good of all, first and foremost, is that we believe in it. And I don't that think we-
0: anybody. De- I don't think anybody disbelieves or doesn't believe in a more perfect union. If everybody at this table and everybody that I know didn't believe in that, they wouldn't be engaging in the world that they engage in right now. So everybody's on that same page. But everybody has a different opinion as to how we go about achieving that more peer- perfect union.
3: I say we start off at Union Point <laughs> and our community come together and everybody. I don't care what your background is. You get out there on that field and you're going to barbecue. You're going to cook. You're going to grill. We're going to throw some stuff together. And right down the middle of that road, we're going to have a table. And that table is going to stretch. You know, like they do that little get up. Actually, on middle. Right, right. There you go. But that table's going to stretch down Union Point, and guess what? Everybody's going to come to that table, and we're going to share food, and we're going to sit down, and we're going to talk, and we're going to get to know one another and find common ground. The citizens of our community is where it starts. We're t- I'm tired of people waiting on the government. I'm tired of, you know, thinking that the government is going to fix this. And It's not. It's, the government is for the people, by the people. We are the government. But I think... No, we're not the government. We, we are let the government. The government. Yes. We let the government run us when you We have the equal opportunity
2: to become the government. And that's what my point is. And also, like, while we have lunch together, we also fund public schools. And we believe in a health care system that's a little more advanced than 50 years ago. And we so start investing in communities. We've that,
0: got ten minutes left in this segment. So I don't I don't want to get into what the, the education and I don't want to get... I, We get too far into that and we will never come back to this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend an invite to all of you again to, well, we're going to be here a while afterwards because I got another episode coming on after this one. But we're going to be a while. Hang out. And let's continue this conversation because it's very spirited. It is is a unique one. And I hope all of you folks out there in the comment sections are enjoying your conversations as well. (laughs) So I want to go around the table and let's get our final thoughts here. Black Lives Matter is a movement that means what to you? And beyond that, we've kind of explained it. What do we do now? And what are you, as an individual, willing to do now? Let's, Kelly, I'm gonna wait for you to go last, because you've got a lot to say. Mm -hmm. Jim, go for it.
1: Uh, I've actually uh, committed myself to learning what Black Lives Matter is all about, and I'll tell you why. There's so many misconceptions about what it really is, and people don't understand, especially people that look like me. And to give a prime example of that, I sat on a Zoom meeting the other day um, with a group of other people, uh, and most people are other social agencies. And this person is a a head of a faith-based agency. And I'm not sure how Black Lives Matter came up, but he says, I cannot support that because Black Lives Matter does not support fatherhood. And I almost fell out of my chair. I said, where are you getting this? And he started to talk about how it it's broken up the families and uh, and uh, uh, and he went on uh, this, this mini rant about how Black Lives Matter is opposed to fatherhood, and I so I did my research that night and, and I couldn't find anything in Black Lives Matter that talked about that. But now I want to learn more about about what it's <laughs> all about and adorable. who's behind it. Pardon me. The <laughs> dog. Yeah, the dog. You know. So so my my first step, uh, Charles, is to learn more about. The, uh, the movement and, and become more involved in it and understand it, understand it better because most people that look like me have no idea what it's all about and have a very negative connotation that Black Lives Matter is, is, is anti-white, it's anti-police, and it's neither of those things. My,
0: advi- my advice to you mm-hmm. is to listen more than you speak in that mm-hmm. group. Oh, for sure. Listen for more sure. than you speak and understand that you're going to run into a lot of different opinions. Mm-hmm. That's it. So
1: but There's a lot of bad information out there. That's all I'm saying. So.
0: Chris, I'm going to come across the table to you. I,
4: I kind of not I, – mm-hmm. I choose not to – no, that's not the right word. I don't really look at it globally because all I can impact is my little corner of the world. You know what I mean? It's just – and that's kind of what I feel like I've done for many years. Um, you know, I, I was involved with – I find that one-on-one or small groups – has the most impact long-lasting impact um, you know I was I in, I've been say. involved in doing um tra- diversity training is what they used to call it I don't know you know but you know doing like different exercises and 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 um, not exercises but different scenarios you know I used to teach a, 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 a we we had the mask exercise Mm -hmm. where and and it's funny because here we are with masks. but Mm. you know it was a group of people who would sign up who would come to my (laughs) workshop and our workshop my husband and I and we would give people an opportunity oh are you want to have a mask or not have a mask and we literally had like Halloween masks Um, similar to kind of the blue-eyed brown-eyed exercise with jane elliott if anybody's familiar with that
0: cool exercise oh my
4: god she, cool exercise she should be president <laughs> but um
0: so give her that idea yeah <laughs> could you imagine one of those videos oh, from the white yes. house
4: <laughs> but um you, having this exercise and having people the experience of putting on a black mask and saying all right you mask people can't come into this village because of whatever you know it's 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 a play kind of thing you know it's it's a theatrical kind of thing that but it's experience for them to understand what it feels like to be excluded because of the color of your mask or you know we've done a lot of those kind of different exercises with people and those seem to have always had the most impact because
2: hands-on
4: it is it's a one-on-one and you you can talk all day long until you're blue in the face until you you know but the experience of knowing what that feels like to be excluded because of what you look like or whatever, you know, that has always to me that has always had the most impact. And so that's kind of where where I hope to have an impact always, as much as possible, is, you know, my little corner of the world. I I can't I can't do anything in, in you know, California or wherever, I, I can impact my corner of the world. And and when I hear a white person who assumes I'm whoever they assume I am, and and decide to, um, you know, talk negatively, whether you know it be black or Hispanic or you know, you know, and, and use words and you know derogatory terms and. In my corner of the world i'm going to say hey wait a minute you know and i'm going to address that because we're we're one-on-one and that's not cool and why do you why do you feel that way to me that's the only we can't affect a whole lot you know as one person but that's that's my world but i
0: when i so i'm a combat veteran when i first got to iraq I was there to s- to represent my country and to mm-hmm. fight against terrorism and to-, to find weapons of mass destruction. And by the end of the first week or so, I stopped feeling like Captain America and felt like, man, how am I supposed to do all of this? And I got nervous and I got mm-hmm. scared. And then I realized that that fear and that scare, right, could potentially get guys that I was really fond of killed. Mm-hmm. And then I started thinking, The one person I need to be worried about, the small corner of the world that I need to be worried about, is my newborn daughter. And when I did that, that was my mission. That's who I was protecting. That's all I was focused on. That was all I could have changed. That was my lane. Everything else got easier and everything else got better. So I don't think you need to worry about changing the world. I think it's more along the lines of one-on-one. And I hate to get biblical about it, but there's a reason Jesus only had 12. <laughs>
1: Very, true. <Yep. laughs> Very true. Very true. Very
0: yep. true.
3: Tammy? Um, what was the question again? I was just so intrigued with everybody else speaking. <laughs> I was like, I got lost.
0: What are you going to do?
3: Um, I'm going to continue to be who I am. And I'm going to, to continue to treat others um, solely on their character and how they treat me. Um, I'm not going to change that. Um, And I don't care what someone says about somebody else, not until I experience you on a firsthand basis and I get to know you, that's how I'm going to handle things. Um, It's never been something that racism, I've never been able to comprehend it, obviously not being a black person, because I've always, you know, I had this mindset. I had it experienced when I was younger. I was um, uh, 12 years old. I was living up in New York with my aunt. Um, situation, bad situation. She sent us out to play. There was a whole slew of us. And so in the neighborhood we lived in, there were black kids. So I was playing with whoever. We were kids, we were playing. We were hanging out, You know, running up and down the road, having races, riding bikes. Don't you bikes. love
4: kids, the innocent. Right,
3: and, and that's what we were doing. Well, apparently my mom's, or my mom's, my aunt's boyfriend came home, saw me out there playing with the black kids. And I got summoned back to the house, and of course, you know, all right, I come on back to the house. And her boyfriend put a shotgun to my head Mm. and said, if I ever catch you playing with those beep, 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 again, I'll kill you. Mm. And I said, well, then go ahead and pull the trigger. Mm. Because I didn't understand it. I didn't, I like, I'm sorry. I just had the greatest day in Mm. God knows how long out here playing. All right, pull the trigger. And of course, my aunt saw this situation and was like, oh, Jesus, Lord, I got to get that child back to her mama, you know, because I was serious and he had a gun to my head and I didn't care. So I've never, ever in my life been able to comprehend racism. Judging a person based on how they treat you and how they treat other people, okay, go ahead. But don't judge them because they're darker than you or they're lighter than you or you you know their parents are white or they're black. You know I I've seen people from poor poor effed up situations, and I don't care what color they are, and I've seen them fight their way to the top, and they're doing so much better than they are than they were four years ago when I met them. You know, and then I so see people who just want to hang down at the bottom, and. and feet off the bottom. All right, that's your choice. You do you. I'm going to educate people and I'm going to get people to vote and and share the importance of that. You know, because it is, it does matter. It really, 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 really does matter. Voting matters. Educate yourself. Take your time. Don't be dependent on the government to take care of you because all that is, is that they got you on a fishing line. They got you on a fishing line. And guess what? You don't vote their way. Guess what? I'm going to take your money. Well, guess what? If you're making your own money, then you don't have to worry about the government. You can yes. still vote how you want to vote and stand up for what you believe in.
0: Okay. So, so to paraphrase, you're going to check your privilege to judge at the door, and you're going to take people as who they are, oh, where they are, and just introduce yourself and see where it goes.
3: Oh, hell yes. Yeah, that's the way I've been doing it. I got, I got a slew of fabulous, amazing friends, Did and I'm happy.
0: Kelly, take us home. <laughs> I know you got a lot on your mind and you know what I honestly I have to 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 admit something to you. When in the in the chat you said I'm 20 years old right then I developed an opinion of you. Your your Facebook profile, your page and all those things and I said, "You know what? She's young and she's active. She's fiery for some reason and I'm I'm I had this vision of you. And I must say, you surprised the hell out of me. You are God, this country's in good hands. If you are moving in the next couple of generations, you're gonna. You, I, I want you to change your focus a little bit, right? I want you. I want you to. I want you to understand that that radical action. And I know I'm gonna let you get to your thing in a second. I just want to give you all of it. That radical action that you want to take starts with you. That's all I want you to remember. That it's yeah. You can get to defunding the police if you want to. You can get to changing the government if you want to. You can do all those things, but you have to take a step first beyond just hashtag listening feeling sorry, being aware. So you need to be willing to, yes, die for your fellow man to take a radical action, in my opinion. In my Martin opinion. Luther King did. floor is yours.
2: I, I think I have done that, and I don't mean that in, like, a, I, I appreciate what you're saying, and I think it's true for maybe other people, but I personally know that I, um, I take it really personally in the sense of... Um, I believe in direct action 100% um and in New York like organizing woke me up to the the power that I possess. I am the, the number one advocate for people power. I believe in that to my core and so I'm falling Ooh. um and also simultaneously like that's why I feel like it's important that um you know I I do plan on running for office. I do plan on becoming that uh you know hopefully part of the solution in a way that is like the most direct form of action to that, and and and, um, I guess to not talk too much about it, um, I believe that the approach should be taken from a holistic standpoint. Like I was saying, it bleeds into every other facet of our experience as American people. Um, no one's immune from poverty. No one's immune from um, an ism. And uh, yeah, no one's immune from, from health complications. I went to the ER one time with a sunburn uninsured and have a $3,000 bill from it. I mean, no one is immune from this stuff. And so I, I guess I believe in, in radical optimism and I believe in, um, I, believe, I believe that we can build a moral society. And I believe that I'll see it in my lifetime, legislatively.
0: I do too. I, like I, for I,
4: office while I'm still alive, so I can vote for you. Right. <laughs> Thanks. Was
2: well, yeah. that
0: Kelly 2021? That's is it Kelly sense. Kelly Rogers 2021? That's to what I heard. I'm uh-huh.
2: in there. I'm really excited, and I, I hope you guys do feel encouraged because I'm not the only one that feels this way. There's.
0: I don't believe in the state of North Carolina. All sweat. you have to do is be an adult to be uh, able to I'm get elected.
2: Lo- loosely that, I guess, statistically.
0: So. <laughs> so guys, well,
3: are we hanging? Woman-wise, female-wise, back? you are close to maturity than a man your age. Yeah, that's
2: yeah.
0: why you're uh, anti-male <laughs> at this table, Jim. <laughs> no. Except for Jim. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so, guys, it has been a pleasure having uh, you. This conversation went a little bit longer than I intended it to, and I'm definitely gonna have to have you guys back. So, hang out in the green room, eat some popcorn, have some fun. We're gonna be here for a little bit. I'm looking forward to having you back, and thank you for being thank here this evening. you, thank thank you. Thanks.
1: thanks for inviting. Great job. Oh. Okay. Okay. I
0: Alright, Newberg So, oh wait, my camera's not working Let's try This way So, since my camera's not working the way that I need it to be It should be over there, but it's right here and I'll do it this way I think everybody gets what my stance is Love each other as you want yourself loved And engage with everybody like you know nothing about them and just present who you are accept them for who they are and if you see something get involved i'm not telling you to be a karen i'm not telling you to go out there and call the police on anybody but we can change the hearts and minds of people we have to do it and we have to stop waiting for everyone else jim thank you so much man guys that's it for the charles tendell show hang out with me for a few minutes if you're gonna be out on the new live page we got jay sky and the next episode of the skybox coming right up next What up, guys? This episode of the Charles Tindell Show is brought to you by Prim and Proper Cleaning Services right here in the city of Newburn. They are a locally owned, veteran-owned business that specializes in making sure you have the finishing touches on all things home, business, boat, car, you name it. Tammy's got your hookups and can clean anything that you need from top to bottom. So go give them some love. Prim and Proper Cleaning Services. Give them a call, 252 252- 2 259 2161, or follow them over on the Newburn Live page or find them out on Facebook, Prim and Proper Cleaning Services. Give Tammy a shout out for you and support your local business. But remember, if you need anything cleaned around the city of Newburn, 252 251 2161.